Hey, this is Cody. And Kevin. And Franklin. Thanks for joining us on the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Pull up a chair and hang out as we talk about who Jesus is and what that means for our lives. Hello and welcome to the Conversations on Jesus podcast. Thank you for listening in. I'm Kevin and I'm here as always with Franklin and Cody. What's going on, guys? Good afternoon. How are you? Good. Good. Good evening. It's a great day. Good evening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is a great day. (laughs) It's been a monsoon all day, but it has. That's Cody, okay. how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. Nice. That's great. I made sure to switch it up from last time, so it's not the same. What'd you say last time? Doing great. Oh. Just I just listened to, I can't remember what episode I listened to the other day, but you had the conversation on we all have our little taglines. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you were the last one to get one though, so I'm happy you have one. Well, I don't have But one. now you just switched it. Mm. Yeah. It's What's never my, been the same. That'll be your thing. What's mine? It's a great day. It's a great day. Yeah. It's a great day. Yeah, every Something time. Like yeah. Every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it's a great day to be alive. <laughs> yeah, you said that. That's pretty good. So we're continuing our our discussion through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are up to chapter twelve, where a kind of an odd thing happens right off the bat. So uh, at the beginning of chapter twelve, it, uh, Matthew writes that Jesus was going through the grain fields on the Sabbath, um, and Maybe the first thing to say is when any of the gospel writers mention what day it is, I think that's a a thing that we ought to remember is to say, oh, there's a particular reason why this isn't just any day. This is the Sabbath. And then obviously it's going to be part of the story here. But like when they say it was the the third hour or the ninth hour or it was the Sabbath or it was night or it was noon, like those are. It's probably important. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, they're not recognizing a specific time or day for no reason. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not there every time. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, uh, on the Sabbath, they're walking through the grain fields and it says that Jesus's disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. And the Pharisees see it and they have a problem with it. And they say, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. And then Jesus, um, kind of gets after him a little bit, but, Puts um, in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's going on here? Why? Uh, what's the deal? Why would the Pharisees get their back up about that? Were you guys thinking about that, or or should we look further in the text first? Yeah. So they're getting upset because technically they're working on the Sabbath. They're harvesting grain, and I mean they're going to prepare to eat it. Yeah. So um, harvesting was against the law at the time, correct? On on the Sabbath. Yeah. And what's the deal about doing something that you shouldn't do on the Sabbath? Like why worry about that? Well, in Genesis, God created for six days and rested on the seventh. Yeah, that's right. And so they're sticking to that hard line. Right. And Jesus is saying, you know, it's not, it's not about that. Right. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things where the Pharisees, they continually try and trap Jesus mm-hmm. doing all these different things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, we'll see later. Jesus is finally like gets to a point. Like he just uses their logic against them. Right. And it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's such an elegant way of <laughs> saying to heck with you and whatever, you're not going to get me. Yeah. You're not going to be able to say, I told you so. Right. And Jesus does it in such an elegant way that it's like, hmm, that, right. that, that, props to Jesus. Yeah. Cause there's much, much different ways that that could be handled. Right. And for Jesus to sit back and say, nope, that's not the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to say, I'm going to take your logic, twist that, 
not twist it, but use your logic against you that you're trying to trap me in a corner right. and pin me down with so that just so that you can say, right. Told you so. Right. Yeah. He's using their own standard of argument against them and saying, okay, if that's the, if that's the way you want to argue, let's see how it plays out, mm-hmm. which there've been a lot of books written on how to argue like Jesus or think like Jesus. And some of them I found are a little patronizing, like, but some of them are good. Like there's a certain way that Jesus thinks through problems that I think is beneficial for us to look at. Like when we're cornered by somebody and they say, why are you doing this? Our, at least my immediate reaction is to get defensive and to say, well, it depends on the situation, but give a reason for why I'm doing it. Where Jesus says, well, you just explained it, Cody, but he listens to him, takes their standard. Okay. You've set the table. Now let's see how it works when we all try to navigate this thing together. And he does it here with David. Right off the bat. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Haven't you read what David did when uh, he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, the temple, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or, Jesus says, haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath, um, that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you, so I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent for the Son of Man as Lord of the Sabbath. So he takes David, and then he takes um, uh, uh, priests and says, look, in, in our shared Hebrew scriptures, we both know of situations where this sort of thing happened, where you think that somebody is doing something wrong in what they're doing on the Sabbath, but it's been okay to not that's where the weird thing about the law comes in because it's not really breaking the law right but it's it's not i don't think that line is so fine yeah that it, there can't be like it's not a it's not a rigid line right i mean it mm-hmm. is but there's also some some fluid yeah movement in that yeah to accommodate or adjust as necessary right right and it's like it goes back to that question of like is it loving Exactly. Yeah. And it always goes back to that of where like, you're never going to cross that or that line's not going to move for something that's not loving. Right. And it's like the Pharisees are like, that line can't move. Right. And Jesus is like, no, 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 that line is there. Yes. And we're going to acknowledge and we're going to follow that line unless or until something comes up where it's like, right. Well, you know, we're going to move this line a little bit, adjust because it's something that, you know, needs to be done. Right. Like, they're they're not just going to not eat. Right. (laughs) Right. Like just because it's Sunday and they were traveling and they didn't have food stored up. Right. Don't eat. Sorry. Right. It's it's the Sabbath. You can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus goes on to say like, if your sheep falls in a pit, will you not pick it up? Mm -hmm. Is another perfect example. As, as you were saying, Cody, like they're not just going to let their sheep die in this pit. Right. I've always thought about that. Like it's, it's funny that logic, right? Uh, doesn't seem so crazy at first, but the Pharisees logic. No. Right. It seems but, legitimate. Right. The law that, says don't do it. I'm not going to do it. Right. But then you get to that point of Jesus with the sheep and you're like, mm, mm-hmm. well, would I just let my sheep die? Right. No chance. Right. Right. Cause that sheep, like that sheep's producing for me. Right. Like I'm not just going to let it sit, sit in the well. Cause well, it's Sunday. Right. Or it's the Sabbath. I can't do it. 
Right. And so like it, it, at first that logic seems great. You know, here's the law. Don't do it. Right. But then we get down and Jesus uses that same logic against them. Right. Well, maybe not. Yeah. And he's doing the similar thing that he did in, in the Sermon on the Mount with, you've heard that it was said, but I say to you, he's interpreting the law or reinterpreting it in a way that it makes them uncomfortable. But I think what he's saying is, look, if you think the law said um, you need to come up with certain activities you're allowed to do and certain activities you're not, and then hold people accountable for those things, that's not what it was set up for. I can't remember if it's in this section or not, but he'll say the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Like you are taking this thing that's been a gift to you the Sabbath day, keeping it holy, resting, getting a time to recuperate. And now you flipped it to now, instead of relaxing or to, or uh, taking advantage of the gift that's been offered to you, now the gift is a taskmaster. And now it tells you what to do and what not to do. You're becoming bound by it, yeah, not living up to it. It's right. Something, it's something that constrains you rather than you saying, I want to live like that. Yeah. It's the opposite. Right. Flipped in reverse yeah yeah it's a a heart heart change yeah is what it is yeah Yeah. and he's and when he uses david and the priest like he's not even saying look that's what the law said but now i'm telling you we're not following the law anymore he's He's not changing it no right he's saying even the people in the old covenant did this Mm -hmm. like there's no we're not right we're not doing anything different here nothing's changing like let's slow down and remember what david did and the priest did let's work this thing out Mm -hmm. yeah and like i mean to to them, it's to, it's in a sense their people, the priests, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, I'm blanking on the word, but yeah, yeah. I mean the Pharisees. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Pharisees, their people. The priests. It's it's them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so uh, you mentioned the sheep and whatnot. There, Jesus or Matthew talks about Jesus, but um, working with a man with a shriveled hand mm-hmm. and whatnot, and then at the end of that. Um, teaching or whatnot from Matthew in verse 14, it says, but the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Right. Like I stepped back and like thought about that one, right? Like they had to feel threatened to some degree enough to want to kill him and break that, their own rule. You know what I mean? Like to, yeah, to exactly. feel that threatened against right. Jesus. Like that was crazy. Yeah. Like it, so it, obviously a conversation didn't work anymore. Like right. their logic fell apart. Right. So yeah. now we just need to kill him. Right. Time like, for talk is over. You know what I mean? And yeah. like we come to this man with a belief and he doesn't, he doesn't just say yes. Right. He pushes us to think differently. Right. Outside of how we want to think and how we've been thinking. Right. That's not okay. Right. Well, he didn't want to change to fit us. So we're going to kill him. Isn't that what people still do today? And that, and that's where I'm going is like, that's, you know, it's, it's easy to look at the church and say, or look at Jesus and say, well, let's mold him. Let's mold this to how we want to live. Yeah. But like we've talked, like, that's not how, that's not what we're called to do. We're not, we're not called to look at Jesus and say, "Mm, Jesus is this way because I believe this. Right. We're supposed to say I'm living this way because Jesus was like this Mm -hmm. and it's easily flipped. Right. And that's not the way we're, we're called to live. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, and I'm just, it sticks out to me that, so he uses David, the priests, he talks about sheep, um, and then he quotes a prophet. He quotes Hosea, who says, 
God speaking, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Like, so not only is he using figures from the, the Hebrew scriptures, but now he's using the Hebrew scriptures themselves and saying, look, this is what your own prophets have said. And at first I, th- I would think their reaction would be, um, I, I, don't, I guess I don't know what their reaction was, but it's, it seems to me like that would be like one of those verses where they're like, ah, man, I wish you wouldn't have quoted that one. That one has always bugged me. Like, what do you mean you desire mercy and not sacrifice? But because they look at the whole Torah and they look at Leviticus and they're like, well, it seems like God desires sacrifice a lot because he asks for it for a number of different things, certain points for the year. And then every single year he wants more sacrifices. Well, yeah, if you read the law in that way, that's what it looks like. But Jesus again and again looks at it and says, okay, what is the law really teaching? You are seeing a set of rules that God has set up that you must follow. And now the sacrifices are lorded over you when really what does offering a sacrifice, what does God making a way for sacrifices to be offered to him show you about what he likes? He's merciful. Like he's making a way for you and you've all turned your back on him countless times. And that whole system was supposed to show you that he's actually enjoys mercy. Like sacrifices are an ends to a mean, a means to get that done. And it's just, it's crazy to me as I slow down and read and I read stories that I've known I read him again and again, and then verses like this stick out. And yeah, he he uses what they have said and simply says, well, what about this? How do you handle what Hosea says? What about David? What about the priest? What about your sheep? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's he's a, a genius it, at stuff like that. Right. That's one of my favorite parts about Jesus, I mm-hmm. think, is just the way in which he'll challenge us to think, uh, to take something that we think we know and push us to think, slightly different right in in a loving way that's not like you're wrong for thinking that right so you should think like this right it's like that's not how jesus works right it's not how he how he communicates right it's like okay here's how you think but have you thought about it this way which i'd love to have conversations with people if they go like that i don't like being wrong but i would much rather be corrected by somebody who says i hear what you're saying have you ever looked at it like this rather than Man, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe you still think like that. Yeah. Right. Like, what year is it? You yeah. think like that? Right. Yeah. Like, that stuff is, okay, we can say that about anything. There, right. There's a difference between belittling and name calling and uh, demeaning, demeaning somebody yeah. and helping bring them up to a better standard. Right. And helping them. Well, right. and that's like, uh, I don't remember if I said it last week or not, but like in a conversation, uh, when someone says something, saying, okay, this is what I heard. Right. This is what I heard you say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And repeating that, like your interpretation of it to make sure that you're not, you know, miscommunicate or mishearing whatever they said. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. it, it, if someone wants to be or want or has that defensive mind, mindset, then, you know, that's going to, that phrase is going to come off like, whoa. Right. But if you, you know, make sure that the understanding is like, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just want to make sure that what I'm hearing is what you meant. Yeah. And like, and it's easy to miscommunicate. Right. And that's one way that I've, that Gary taught me Mm -hmm. and whatnot of, you know, okay, this is what I heard you say. I know you might've said these specific words, but this is what I heard. Right. And that's how it came off. Yeah. I'm not saying this is what you said, but if it's, if I'm not hearing it right, then correct me. Which is a similar, I heard somebody years ago say, if you want to disagree with somebody's point, 
then before you give them reasons for why they're wrong, you should be able to explain their point of view better than they can. You need to understand it better than them. Once you do, then you can destroy it. Right. But until... Until that point. Yeah. Then... Right. And that's what Jesus is doing. He knows what they are talking about more than they do. They're trying to make this Sabbath thing about following the rules or not following the rules. And Jesus is cutting right into their heart saying, actually, you guys really like controlling people, don't you? And that's not going to fly with the kingdom that I'm setting up here. That's a misinterpretation of what you were instructed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so they say what you said, Cody, is that they try to kill him. And Jesus, in verse 15, Matthew says, Jesus knew about this, so he took off. He withdrew from that place. But a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were sick and warned them not to tell others about him. Which makes sense, because he knows that there's a mob after him. And so, (laughs) you know, he already got into trouble about the Sabbath thing. He probably doesn't want more heat on him because he's healing everybody. Is it is it a mob at this point? Uh, well, I, yeah, okay. I said mob. The oh, Pharisees, sorry. however yeah. number of them. Yeah. I mean, they're. Yeah, I was yeah. just curious. I yeah. Mean, well, I mean, like, it was. I mean, it was kind of radical what Jesus was teaching. Right. And so, I think about it like in today's world, like in Portland. Yeah. Right. Like it was crazy for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. And there, you know what I mean? There was a lot of yeah. radicalism going on. I can't imagine it would be you right. know, much different. Like there probably was yeah. quite a, lot a few of people. scheming and a lot of, yeah, planning. I mean, you're going to mm-hmm. plan to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. They probably weren't following him with torches, but they were, you know, I don't want to be in the same town with somebody who wants me dead. Right. Like I'd rather, I'll hang out with somebody else. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm out. And, and I had said uh, breaking their own laws earlier when i said that i mean because they were they were planning to kill somebody (laughs) (laughs) like if they're gonna obey the the ten commandments they're right they're breaking the law (laughs) right right yeah yeah so um so matthew chimes in and says he warned others not to tell him about him and he says this actually was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet isaiah and isaiah said here's my servant whom i have chosen the one i love in whom i delight I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. This is actually God speaking. He will uh, not quarrel or cry out, nor no one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice, uh, has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. I mean, if you read that, I don't even care if like, if, if you just read that out of Isaiah and you don't even know Jesus that much, when I read that, I'm like, that sounds like Jesus. Yeah. And then when we know from Matthew, oh, his spirit came up, came on him. Well, that's what happened in the baptism. Um, and uh, we know that he was chosen. That's what the father says. This is my son whom I love. Um, uh, yeah. And then he is uh, proclaiming justice to the nations. We saw that in chapter 10 when the when the uh um, disciples the 72 Mm, go out and he says first go to israel and then we're going to see the gospel expand um uh and then he and then it it describes him which is this has always been a weird verse for me just because of the the imagery a bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out like like jesus uh, until so i should finish that until he has brought justice through to victory so for a time, he's going to let things go. 
and even a bruised reed, he's not going to snap that thing off. Elaborate or, what that means. I was curious. Um, like uh, a reed, a plant that's, that's like bent. Yeah. Okay. So I like think a, yeah. uh, like a cattail. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. It's like yeah. a reed, right? So when a when a cattail's broken, right? Like it like bends, it falls. It falls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I got it you. snaps. Yep. Right. And so like a bruised reed is is not on its way. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like leaning. Perfect. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's then a wick, snap. like a candle yes. that's yeah. almost out, but it's just flickering a little bit. He's not going to, you know, lick his fingers and mm-hmm. squat. He's going to let it go for a while yeah. until it, Isaiah says he brings justice through to victory. When he's done, then it's over. You know, all that he's going to, he's going to clean all that up, but there's a time where things are going to be let uh, go. And I think that's what we're seeing in the gospel that's right here. Time, time they're in right now. Yeah. yeah. How could the Pharisees plot to kill him? He's God. Yeah. Like, cause he's letting it go for a little while. Yeah. Right. You know, and a lot of people are going to be brought into the kingdom because he let it go. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did that for us without that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting to me. So Matthew's telling his story, right? It was almost like in this little section, Matthew's is, he takes a break from telling the story. And says, okay, you know, let me remind you that Jesus is still fulfilling scripture. Yeah, that's right. And then he gets back into telling the story. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, Matthew's like, okay, I, I, here's where partway through the story, chapter one, two, and three, pause before chapter five or four. Like, hey guys, you know that thing that I said that Jesus is fulfilling scripture? Yeah. Yeah. This, here's another reason. Right. I've told you all this. Here's another reason. Yeah. Okay. Let's continue. Right. It was just interesting to me how Matthew yeah. took that moment to pause mm-hmm. from storytelling because I mean, that that's what mm-hmm. the gospels are is a story. Right. right. And Matthew's like, okay, here's the story. Right. But here's also a few plugs along the way to show you that I'm not just making up this story Yeah. or that this story isn't just some fantasy that we've come along Yeah. and then yeah. started telling. It's yeah. Like, Actually, Isaiah said this was going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's the one doing it. Right. Yeah. Direct correlation. Yeah. Right. And so that's where I thought it was interesting of like, you're reading through the story and I'm thinking of like reading a book, like, uh, I don't know, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And it's like a couple page break there yeah. of where the author stops and, you know, references a couple of history books, yeah. some encyclopedias yeah. and then <laughs> continues. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come the narrator chimes in. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah exactly. Yep. That's what John does in the beginning of his gospel when he's talking about, um, shoot, I can't remember right now. It's in John two or three. There's a, there's a spot where, um, there's things happening. And then John, um, Oh, it's when Jesus says, destroy the temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Yes. And in a lot of English translations, there's even a parentheses after that. It's like John is saying, Okay, come here for a second. Mm-hmm. It's this event that later, when we all went through it, we look back at this event and we go, oh, it was because of the cross and resurrection that he was talking about. You got it? Okay, we'll keep going. And that's exactly what Matthew's doing. Yeah, it's yeah. that third person mm-hmm. kind of communication. Yeah. That it, yeah, just as we're reading through a story, it's like, oh, take that step back and right. recognize. Right. Yeah, so Isaiah says he's going to bring justice to the nations, and then in verse 21, in him the nations will put their hope, which is... Um, if I, I listened to our episode, uh, today or the other day, and we, we talked about how it might be uncomfortable for somebody in chapter 10 to hear Jesus saying, go only to Israel at this point. But here now in chapter 12, 
we have a quotation from Isaiah who is talking about the nations are going to put their hope in him and he's going to bring justice to the nations. So even though it's, it's the Jews first, it's Israel first, the nation of Israel, um, it's for the world, like he's savior of the world. And, right. and that's the story, but in particular spots, it gets focused up. Yeah. Um, so, so then we hop back into the Pharisees wanting to trap and test Jesus. Yeah, that's right. And it's like, I wonder, like, what did you, like, what did the man and Jesus think in times like, like this where it's like, again, guys? Right. <laughs> again? Yeah. Like, we're it just like, and because he, I mean, he knows, he knows all thoughts. And so mm-hmm. he knows what the Pharisees, what's in their heart and what they're trying to do. Yeah. And so then, like, to to not just jump to that conclusion mm-hmm. of wanting to correct the Pharisees right. and letting it play out the way it did right. so that he could still fulfill. Like right. I just like, that's a crazy mm-hmm. duality that Jesus is having to hold on to and work through right. of like knowing what's going to happen, yeah. but also like using it to teach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then as you hinted at, so then they, they brought to him a demon possessed man who had been uh, blind and mute in verse 22 and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. He was blind and mute. Now he can talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, <laughs> and said, could this be the son of David? Um, but when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So if you were ever curious what they thought he was doing, now we know. All the healing, the Pharisees think it's by the devil that he's doing this. So who who brought him a demon possessed man? Is it the Pharisees or is it this group of people? That I was we just know I was thinking that through. It says they. So uh, what's it saying? Verse fifteen. Um, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them warned them not to tell him or tell others about him. So I would I would go to the next couple of verses. Mm-hmm. So it says then then they brought him. And then all the people were astonished. Mm-hmm. And then verse 24 says, but when the Pharisees heard this. Yeah. So who do you think brought the people oh, to him or brought the demon? I don't think it was the Pharisees. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Because yeah, it, it says when the Pharisees heard this, meaning, yeah. I mean, they're not going to hear about it. Like word of mouth. Well, right. Days. They're not going to hear about it if they brought the person. Right. Right. They're going to be there. They would have saw it. Right. Good connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, so it's they... A, I'm sorry. Yeah. So again, that makes sense for me where, uh, because if they were there when it happened, I think there's less of a likelihood of them going straight to, he, he must be working by the power of visible. Yeah. Right. Because they would have witnessed it. Right. But because it's word of mouth that feeds into their story of, well, I didn't see it. So right. I, it can't be real. Yeah. Makes and that sense. just feeds into their, their storyline of Jesus is not who he says he is. Yeah. Although, yeah, so I agree with that. I was just thinking in Mark 2, so he heals the paralyzed man when they bring him through the roof. Mm-hmm. And the teachers of the law are there and they see him. And their problem, they don't say it's by Beelzebul that he's doing that stuff, but they say, um, you're a blasphemer because only God is the one who can forgive sins, which is crazy because they're there and well, they saw it. Right. But I don't think they had a problem with the healing portion. Here, the Pharisees have a problem with the healing I portion. I see what you're saying. And in that one, they uh, Jesus uh, is telling him, 
get up and walk, your sins have been forgiven. Yeah, that's the, that's where yeah. they. And get they the have the problem with him saying the sins, yeah. not the healing. Okay, mm-hmm. but here they have a problem with the healing. Right. right. And, I see what you're saying. Yep. Now. Yep. So I think for them it was, uh, well, we didn't see it happen. There's no right. way that it could could have been right. Right. Who he says he is. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, refresh my memory. Is this the second time that they've called him Beelzebul? Hmm. That's a good question. Let's see here. Well, I know we've talked about it before. I, I just can't remember if we were referring to this chapter or if it was in a different chapter that we were talking about. So I believe that they did say that he was working by the Prince of Demons. Yes, yes that's what it was. That, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Which, which is the same reference here. So they're not yep. calling him Prince of Demons. They're saying through the prince of demons is how he's working that it's not god right that it's that's giving him the authority yeah. and the power yeah that it's the prince of demons who's giving him that authority right and right. so I, yeah i do believe that this is the second time that yeah. they have made that claim against jesus yeah so on a side note interesting mm-hmm. that uh kevin and i have talked about before so in uh, 34 verse 34 uh, Jesus says you brood of vipers this is the second time um, it happened again uh, the first time was in Matthew 3 or 4 I believe yeah but Jesus is referring to them as the devil themselves and being the serpent which I, I it's that same thing kind of taking what they're doing and I would say almost reversing it like mm-hmm. Jesus is saying no you guys aren't living off the Lord like, right you guys are actually um, doing the exact opposite. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we can we <laughs> head back to where we actually were. <laughs> we'll walk into that one in a minute here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they they do the same thing, or Jesus lets them do the same thing that he did in the beginning of chapter 12, where he lets them say what they're going to say. And then instead of saying, no, I'm actually doing it by the power of God, he goes, okay, um, you know that every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And you can picture them going, yeah, like that's a given. <laughs> exactly. So he goes, so if, if Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? And <laughs> you could feel like the Pharisees and the teachers of law going, uh-oh. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> well, like I picture that like them standing there and Jesus making that like first name, like every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every, like you said, and they're going, amen. Right. And he's, <laughs> he's like, he's propping them up. Yeah. Like he's feeding them, feeding into what they're saying. Yeah. And then he says, but wait, there's more. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but wait, yes. there's yeah. more. So it's like, so, it's like uh, that infomercial, like, <laughs> but wait, there's more. Right. Right. So, so it's a given. Amen. They say, absolutely. Every kingdom divided itself will be ruined city or household, it won't stand. So he says, okay, so if that's true, if Satan drives out Satan, if you're saying I'm doing things by the power of Beelzebul and I drive out a demon, then um, how can that kingdom stand? And the natural reaction would be, well, I guess it can't because that's a house divided. And he goes, okay, and if I do it by Beelzebul, if that's what you're saying, and you do the same thing, then what power do you guys use? Mm -hmm. Right. And at that point, they're not saying amen anymore. Right. They're like, wait a minute. They're going, uh-oh. Right. Well, and then like he continues and talks about uh, entering a strong man's house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want. Uh, it makes me wonder. So he's talking to Pharisees, yeah. right? There had to have been other people 
Yeah. And so those other people may not have, because they weren't uh, super knowledgeable in the law and in scripture, right? Wondering if Jesus is saying, okay, here's the application so that, you know, specifically you Pharisees know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But then he talks about the strong man for all the others who may not have been incredibly knowledgeable in scripture because Jesus is always giving us multiple applications of what he's saying. And so he uses this example of, you know, very specific to what the Pharisees are telling him, Mm -hmm. but then also in an application that makes sense to the normal normal citizen of right. Jerusalem at that time. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and then, so he drives right before that in verse 28, I think is where he, he uh, hammers the nail in on him, And he says, but if we all agree on that stuff, which they were shouting amen and lifting their hands with the first thing. And then the second, I think they're going, yeah, he's right, but I don't want to put my hands up anymore. I'm not going to say amen because I can see where this train is going. So he says, but if it is by the spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And now (laughs) you are not going against the power of the devil. You're going against the power of God. Mm -hmm. That's where they're like, this is, this has now become a big problem for us. Again, he let him set the table and then he said, okay, we're going to see if all, if what you've said holds up and it doesn't. And, and so, so then he says the thing that you mentioned, Cody, in verse 29 and then in verse 30, he says, whoever, not is with, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but the blasphemy of the, against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. And that's where I think we alluded to it the last episode. Maybe yeah, you mentioned yeah, it, did. Franklin. Yeah. Um, this is one of those verses where people want to know what is the one thing I can't do so that I don't do it. And, um, you know, we, we seek to be bound by something. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and a, that's a good rate. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. uh, I find myself like for a while, you know, wondering like, why, like, why did Jesus say this? Mm -hmm. Uh, and like, why is that able to be forgiven slander against Jesus or the son of man, Mm -hmm. but not the Holy spirit, but then like working through it and like getting to a point of like, is that something that I need to devote lots of time and energy to trying understanding, uh, so that I can be bound to it. Mm. Uh, yeah. When, are we supposed to be binding ourselves to these things mm-hmm. or are we supposed to be living a kingdom life? Yeah. It's that same idea of like we continually seek to find rules to not break rather than just living mm. a kingdom life. Yeah. Yeah. We say, okay, but where's that boundary? Right. What right. can't I do? Right. Yeah. What mm-hmm. can I do not? What can I do? Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's where I found, um, a, uh, a level of comfort in mm-hmm. this verse, knowing that, okay, I'm not, I'm not continually pushing to seek where I can't, where I have to draw the line to not mm-hmm. step over. Mm-hmm. Like that's not in, because at first it was a big challenge for me to like, what does Jesus mean yeah. when he says this? But yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I thought about this, I, um, it was confusing 
to me for a while, but I think it makes sense if we remember the story that he's telling. So he, he just healed somebody, and the Pharisee's response to the healing is to say, you're doing that by the work of the devil. That's who, who just exercised that demon was the devil. Jesus said in verse 28 that it's the Spirit of God that he drove out demons. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And I, so I think the point that he's making is, look, if, if um, you are living and thinking about me in such a way where when I do things, you are convinced it's the devil doing that thing, then you and I have no relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're attributing the works of God to the devil. And that is not, um, that doesn't show any sort of saving relationship or any sort of unity with me and my father and the spirit. Um, so I, I don't look at this verse and, and although I did in the past, but I don't look at it anymore and see it as a thing that you better not do that. I see it as a warning against unbelief. Like this is flat out unrepentance. Like you're and the, and the way that it's clear is you've gone so far that now when you see God doing things, you say that's the devil that did that. And if you think that God is the devil, then um, there's, I keep saying that, there's no relationship there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, no, yeah. there's no saving faith or anything found in that. And so is it a thing where somebody can accidentally blaspheme the spirit? I don't think so. I think it's a willful um, you're acknowledging something yeah. and saying that can't be true. You right. see God doing something and what you see though is the devil doing that thing. And that's dangerous. That's, um, that's something I don't want to do, but people look at it and they're like, well, is it saying God's name in vain or is it, you know, is it not going to church or is it being mad at Jesus or something? Trying to be bound by something. Yeah. Right. It's no, it's, you see God doing things and what you actually, what is actually happening, you see the opposite. God works and you say, oh, God is the devil. And that's, yeah, that won't be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Right. Yeah. So he says, so Jesus continues and says, make a a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, which you mentioned, is yeah. the same thing that John the Baptist called them. Um, how can you, who are evil, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in, in him, and an evil man brings out the evil things uh, that are stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the, on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned which is a weighty thing for everybody and especially us. I mean, if we get running our mouths on this thing and we start talking about stuff that's uh, uh, contrary to scripture or we, you know, I don't even, we don't necessarily need to go there, but we have a responsibility because we've decided to open our mouths. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Jesus says that it's even by, um, uh, let's see, uh, give an account of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Like just any, every time you open your mouth, mm-hmm. it's like, okay. Um, because words aren't meaningless, right? Nobody mm-hmm. accidentally says something bad about somebody. They say something bad about somebody because inside of them is welling up a, a water of 
filth that comes out and it comes out in a lot of different ways. Well, and like I, I related that back to the Beatitudes, mm-hmm. right? Where Jesus continually talked about how it's what goes on in your heart right, is what your life becomes. Right. And it's like same thing here. Right. Uh, Jesus says for what the mouth speaks, the heart is full of. Right. Always going back to that. It's not necessarily just like our words aren't just empty. Like you said, like it's coming from somewhere there's a, a deeper mm-hmm. meaning to that. It's you're not just slandering someone because you want to slander them. Right. There's something that happened that triggered you to want to slander them. And like, yeah, your heart, right. Your heart wants it. Right. Well, and like, so like the, like verses 30 to 37, mm-hmm. uh, I, I asked myself like, if I'm a new believer reading this section, mm-hmm. I'm going to think like, Ooh, just being a little harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to read that and not remember the context of what Jesus right. is talking about here, yeah. like for a new believer, like anyone out there, like remember like Jesus is dealing with people who have continually tried to trap him, right? continually tried to say, whatever you're saying is not right. Right. You're not working on the God that we believe right. behalf. You're working on the prince of demons, right. the enemy. And Jesus is sitting here continually saying, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. No, this is how it is. Right. This is how it is. Mm-hmm. And it gets to this point where Jesus is, you know, he's kind of setting the record straight mm-hmm. of like, no guys, like here's what's going to happen. Right. And for, uh, I would encourage for a new believer to not forget that, mm-hmm. not to read this and say, Oh, right. Because it's easy to look at things and say, okay, I want to be bound by this and I can't do that. Yeah. Right. And you can look at this section and pull a lot of those. I can't do that. Right out of it, but I don't think that's the interpretation that Jesus is is right. uh, the context of what Jesus is saying here. Right. right again, it's completely contextual to the situation of the Pharisees continually battering Jesus. Of mm-hmm. that can't be right. Right, you're not doing this. Right, and what would we want from Jesus? Do we? I mean, I don't want him to hold back ever. No. Like, if you have something that I need to know. I don't care how much how uncomfortable it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. I would rather know and so I can deal with it. Right. But I'm not a new believer anymore and I remember what it was like to be a new believer mm-hmm. and I didn't necessarily want to hear those things. Right. Because it messes with it's you. It's uncomfortable. You're like, ah, man, I thought this was going to be easier than. Mm-hmm. Well, and like I, I read, uh, there's a Facebook post about uh, what an atheist would say to people in the church now mm-hmm. in order to come back to the church. Like, here's things that would need to happen in the church in order for me to ever come back. Yeah. And like going through the comments and reading all these things. And it was like, hmm, all these people with their experiences, like they weren't uh, the church or family of believers that they were with. It doesn't appear that they were living uh, the life of, you know, living in the kingdom. Right. Because Mm -hmm. people are saying, oh, yeah, you know, Christians shouldn't do this. I'd go back if they didn't do this. I'd go back if they didn't do this. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, but those are the things that we seek to be bound to. Right. And of course those are happening. Right. And it was like just comments after comments. And like there was one comment that was, uh, I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was to the degree of like, uh, I wish that the church would just live according to the new covenant. Mm. Hmm. And it was like, yeah, yeah, that's what we, yeah. that's what I want to do too. Right. Right. Yeah. And it was like, 
it was crazy because all these other ones, you know, they'd have a few likes or a few replies. And this one had like lots of likes and lots of replies. Mm-hmm. Like, Amen. Like, yes, me too. Yeah. Like, me too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, right. That's cool to see. Right. Like, cause that's, you know, that's what we're called to do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Thank you guys for joining us on another episode of the conversations on Jesus podcast. And we would love to have you guys join us again. Absolutely. See ya. Thank you.